bet the game. Sounds crazy, Frank. <laughs> Maybe just crazy enough to work. Sports betting with an Oregon lean. Powered by Sports Radio 750, The Game, Portland's most listened to sports station. You probably won't say it again. I bet I do. Okay. Chris. Now, here are your hosts, Judah Newby and Zach Schlegel. All right, here we go. It is NFL playoff wildcard weekend. But first things first, fresh off a of Rose Bowl title. Let's go. For those Oregon Ducks, proud Duck alum, Zach Schlegel. Yep, yep. Feeling good after that one. Feeling great. Happy New Year, everyone. I mean, what a way to start off the new year. <laughs> the Ducks get the Rose Bowl victory. On top. Woo. Feeling, feeling great. The Ducks are in great hands with Mario Cristobal. Cristo Ballin. Amen to that. 28-27, never a doubt. Mm-hmm. Champions from start to finish. Yep. Over Wisconsin, had it the whole way. The defense was the key. Brady Breeze, the hometown heroes, really. Yeah. That's what it was. Central Catholic's own Brady Breeze. And, of course, uh, Sheldon's own Justin Herbert, the UG native, the respective defensive offensive MVPs of the 106th granddaddy of them all. Uh, Full disclosure, though, Zach, I mean, there had to have been parts of that game you were unsure if Oregon would be on the right side. I was not. Yeah, I was not feeling good. Uh, going into halftime, giving up that touchdown right before half was brutal. That one really felt bad. And the whole time in the second half, I mean, the Ducks only had one possession in the third quarter, right? It was like and they went they, three and out. <laughs> they went three and out. It was. I was wondering if they were even going to get the ball back one more time and even have a chance to do anything with it. Thank God for the. Uh, for the defense, man, special teams making big plays because the offense just couldn't do anything after that first drive. But you know what? Winners get it done, and they make plays in the biggest moments, and it seemed like that was the story for the Oregon Ducks defense most of the season. They finished 12-2, and and the only losses coming to Auburn and Arizona State. They win the North. They win the Pac-12 championship as six-and-a-half-point underdogs, blowing out Utah outright. And they win the Rose Bowl as three-point underdogs, winning that game outright by a point. That's a successful season, man. Like Justin Herbert coming back for his senior year, you can officially say definitively that he goes out on top. It was a successful return for one more year in Eugene. And a couple of these stats real quick, Judah. So I was looking at this on Twitter, but Cristobal in his two seasons. Let's just recap real quick. 21-6, and Rose Bowl champs, Pac-12 champs, 3-1 and against the top 10. Wow. 4-0 and in rivalry games, 2-0 and in bowl games, 13-1 and in at home, and a top-five finish, and soon to be back-to-back number one recruiting classes in the Pac-12. I mean, we're on fire right now. He's getting it done in a yeah. major way, and he's getting it done early. Mm-hmm. What are your early thoughts on how the college football playoff semifinals shook out, and it sets us up for Clemson LSU? Well, I was on the right side of that over-under in the Oklahoma game. LSU, that <laughs> offense, man. covered it themselves Ooh. at halftime almost. <laughs> they did. There was, uh, yeah, how many points were there at halftime? I mean, that was LSU just... had 49 because Burrow 49. had seven touchdowns at halftime. Yeah, that was unbelievable. 400 yards and seven touchdowns in 30 minutes. Video game numbers right Crazy. there for Burrow. So, yeah, uh, Oklahoma didn't really come to play. Uh, that defense that we talked about improving this season, well, you know, it's not going to really help you when you go against 
maybe the best offense in SEC history, the Heisman yeah. Trophy winner. So that I mean that played out how I pretty much expected it to. I thought Oklahoma had a chance to maybe backdoor cover that thing, but I was definitely looking at the over. The over hit <laughs> easily. And in the other game, Clemson, you know, we talked about that. I, we talked about it being a Tigers national championship game. And we talked about Dabo Sweeney. We talked about Trevor Lawrence and the experience there that the Clemson Tigers have. And the experience showed right there. Ohio State, credit to them for a great season. Chase Young, he's going to the NFL now. They they played a good game. But at the end, the champions, the defending champs, they made the plays they needed to in the right moments. Trevor Lawrence using his legs. I'm just, I'm really excited for this game. We'll talk about this at some point, but I believe the line now at six. And my initial thoughts are, I think that's too many points. I know how good LSU is. I know that with recency bias, people are going to look at it and think, oh my gosh, yeah, LSU should be able to win by a touchdown or more. Who's going to stop them? But Clemson, the best defense in the country, statistically, a top five, maybe just a top 10, but definitely a top offense as well. Both teams averaging over 45 points a game, but I think defense will tell the story in this one. For someone that's never lost in their uh, college career, I think six points is quite a bit. Yes. Uh, without question, but really excited for that. That is going to be a week from this coming Monday. We're recording this on a Friday, so Monday the 13th. It's later than usual uh, for the national championship, so we'll break that one down next week on our podcast ahead of an all-Tiger, all-Death Valley National Championship sh- Showdown in New Orleans this year. So a little in New Orleans, yeah. home cooking there mm-hmm. for uh, the Go Tigers. All right, it's the NFL playoffs. Let's go. Come on now, come on. I'm over here punching the air. <laughs> Could basically replace the Rocky theme song in my life. <laughs> it was Running a blistering the... night in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Speaking of, this uh, might be the last time Tom Brady plays in a Patriots uniform in Foxborough. Because he's going to the Colts. Well, that's what they say, but... Uh, oh, really? Well, some people oh, are saying. I think Colin Colin said that. Oh, okay. But, you know, don't believe everything Colin says. Oh, I do, though. I do. <laughs> I mean, he spans the globe. He gets it done. Uh, <laughs> now, we'll get to that game um, here in a moment. Uh, we can just go chronologically. Let's yeah. get the first one out of the way because I think it's the least intriguing of all of them, but that's not to say that it has some intrigue. I like it. Buffalo Bills at the Houston Texans Saturday at 135. It's the one that gets... The wild card weekend going from NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas. This line opened Houston minus three, and it's pretty much stuck there. I know some places had two and a half along the way as well. The total right now resting at 43 and a half. J.J. Watt playing in this football game after mm-hmm. missing most of the regular season. He is coming back from injury. The 10-6 and 6 Bills, the 10-6 and 6 Texans. Buffalo hasn't won a playoff game since 1995. Wow. Can they actually <laughs> do it on the road? Well, Josh Allen has got himself a, a, a tough task against the Houston defense. Deshaun Watson will have something to say about it as well. Buffalo and Houston, Zach, what what are you thinking? Where do you break this one down? Yeah, well, Sean McDermott, I mean, maybe, uh, I mean, he's probably one of the best coaches this year, most improved, you know, coaches this year, this season. Maybe the Bills are the most improved team in the NFL. I think 
uh, the Niners and the Bills maybe are battling for the most improved teams in the NFL this season. I've been impressed with their defense. Obviously, that's their strength. Now, before I get into this matchup real quick, Judah, I do want to start this off by giving you some interesting numbers going into wildcard weekend just to kind of set the stage for everyone. There you go. So, in the last two years in the wildcard round, underdogs are 8-0 against the spread. Perfect. So, I mean, does that mean it's going to regress to the mean? Does that mean it's going to be all favorites? I don't know, but definitely interesting stat there. The other one, and I heard this from our man Brent Musburger, quarterbacks making their first playoff start in the wildcard round are 8-28. 22%. So, that's... Against the number. Or, no, just or overall, overall outright. Yeah. yeah, outright. Eight and twenty-eight quarterbacks making their first start in the wild card round. First start in the playoffs. In first the wild playoff card start, round. and so right. that applies this year to Josh Allen. Yep. Ryan Tannehill. Yep. And Carson Wentz. Oh because, wow! I wouldn't have thought that, but yeah, because right. of Foles. And you know, obviously Carson Wentz. You know, maybe he's he could per- be the ninth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but against the spread, three and eleven as a favorite, and seven and fifteen as a dog. Uh, talking about those quarterbacks making the first playoff start in the wild card round, and unders are twenty seven and fifteen. That kind of makes sense, right? Because if these quarterbacks are struggling, they're not putting up the numbers they usually do, maybe in the regular season. So the under is you know twenty seven and fifteen. Now, looking at this game here, Josh Allen at Houston, I think the defense could simply just carry this team to a victory. Houston, one of the weakest pass defenses in the entire playoff field. They're terrible on third down, dead last in red zone defense, 29th overall against the pass, and 25th against the run. So it's one of those games where I don't think Josh Allen in that offense needs to do crazy things out there they just need to play their game the game that they're comfortable in playing and Josh Allen I've been impressed with this season I've been impressed with what he's been able to do over the course of the year his body of work the Texans are a team that like let's look at their schedule real quick eight of their 10 wins the fact that they have 10 wins is shocking to me Judah because eight of their 10 wins came by one possession and I know that the NFL is mostly one possession games yes five of those victories for the Texans by three points or less. So they've kind of just squeaked them out. But this is a team that's just clutch. You know, they make plays when they need to. And Deshaun Watson is that kind of guy. He's got that DNA. He's from Clemson, coached by Dabo Sweeney. These are champions. He's a national champion, right? And he's at home. And Houston last season, we remember they got beat up by the Colts in the wild card round. So in saying all this, it's hard for me to take a side, but I think the the big factor here is we got to pay attention to if Will Fuller is going to play. And here's some really interesting stats about Will Fuller when he does play. When Will Fuller is on the field, Watson's passer rating jumps from 89.8 to 104.3, and his QBR jumps from 64.4 to 77.3. So... Will Fuller is a, is a big, big deal. What I'm hearing right now is that the groin injury, it's kind of a game-time decision. And they're saying it's kind of a long shot for him to play, but who knows? You know, Are they bluffing? Could they just be saying that, and then they're going to come out and he's going to actually do well? Watson cannot go out there and play hero ball. That's the thing, because if you look at the game last year against the Colts, he, he threw the ball 50 times. And he led the team in rush attempts and rushing yards. They couldn't do anything on the ground. And the Colts just absolutely exploited that. In this game, 
I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. We look at the total. What is it, 43-and-a-half? Yes. Very, very low. I mean, I, I would lean to the under on this one. And because the Texans have been squeaking by in one-possession games and five of those wins have been by three points or less, and the Bills have such a great defense and Josh Allen has been efficient and been effective, I think I'm going to lean with the Bills here and the points. Although I wouldn't be surprised if Houston's if Houston squeaks out a win, but I think if you're getting three points, especially you got to lean on the Bills in this one. So I'd lean Bills and I would lean under. Play the under. There you go. That's the opener on Saturday night. The other AFC game. Rare is the Wild Card Weekend where you have both games from the same conference being on singular days. But mm-hmm. in this case, with the uh, TV executives at a power selecting which games and which matchups they want. Uh, CBS gets the Saturday night game, and they get the Tennessee Titans and the New England Patriots in Foxborough. New England, of course, had everything to play for in Week 17. A win over the Miami Dolphins would have secured New England a first-round bye and a home game as a number 2 seed. But as a 15-point favorite, they lost. They lost to the Miami Mm -hmm. Dolphins. Yeah. In what could be the final home regular season game of Tom Brady's career. They lost as over two touchdown favorites to Brian Flores and company. Props up to Brian Flores. Awesome job by him this year to get that Miami team to five wins. Definitely. Incredible. Now, that means New England has to host a game in the wild card round. On the other side, you got Mike Vrabel, former Patriot. Got touchdowns in the Super Bowl for the Patriots. For Bill Belichick. He's the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. They are tough on defense. They've got a physical run game. Now they've got a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill who is more dynamic than Marcus Mariota. More yes. reliable, as shocking as that is to say, <laughs> Ryan Tannehill is just productively much better than Marcus Mariota for the Titans, and it speaks for itself. Winners of five of their last seven going into the postseason. They are the sixth seed. There's this overwhelming surge of support for the argument that the Tennessee Titans can go into Foxborough and win this game outright. And a lot of it hinges on number 22, Derrick Henry, being the NFL rushing leader this year, going in there as a sixth seed. The line opened New England five and a half. It's ticked down a half point across the board. Patriots minus five at home with a total at 44 and a half. Zach, do the Titans have what it takes to pull the upset outright? Or are we going crazy at just the wrong time? <laughs> well, they certainly have the recipe to knock off the Patriots. If you look at the Titans roster, you look at their offense, you look at their defense, you look what the Patriots got, you could argue that the Titans are a more talented team right now. They're playing better football right now. It seems like at Ryan Tannehill, he's the first quarterback to lead the league in passer rating and yards per attempt since Matt Ryan did it in his MVP season back in 2016. Now, he didn't play every game this year, so maybe the numbers are a little skewed there, but he's really resurrected this franchise. And when you got a guy like Derrick Henry, you mentioned the NFL rushing leader, correct? I I mean, that's going to help you. This guy has been doing everything right, and, I mean, I'm, I'm sad for my man Marcus Mariota, but Tannehill is the guy now, and maybe Mariota's going to go to another team and play backup, and maybe he'll get his chance because Tannehill, quite frankly, he had his chance, he blew it, and then he was a backup, and then now he got a second chance, or maybe it's a third, I don't know how many chances he's gotten, but he's made the most of it in this one. This is a really interesting line, and I think that this line is simply because people know what Belichick and Brady can do in Foxborough in the playoffs. We've seen it time and time again. Now, I've been seeing all over 
the media this this week on TV on the radio people talking about is the Patriots dynasty over and I, and I feel like we're just I don't know, repeating ourselves every single year like is it over is Brady finally getting old is he finally is his arm wearing down and it seems to me that Brady is sort of in that time that uh you know remember when Brett Favre was sort of at the you know nearing his retirement I mean, he retired and then came back right but a few times a couple <laughs> times yeah but it just seems like at some point you're going to get tired of taking those hits and it seems like Brady is you know he's getting the ball out really quick and they're designing the offense so that he can get it out quick but it seems like he's just not as accurate not as efficient as he used to be the good thing is they have a guy named James White and this guy should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl back when they played the Falcons um of course, it was Brady because Brady really did win the game, but James White scored all the touchdowns. But matchup-wise, let's look at it. You got Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel. Obviously, they're familiar. You got Ryan Tannehill versus a top-five defense in football. Some people were saying that Patriots have the best defense in the NFL, but, I mean, their competition wasn't that great. Their strength of schedule wasn't that great this year. I mean, of course, when you play in the AFC East and you play the Dolphins and the Jets and you know the Bills are improved, obviously, but... It's not going to be the toughest schedule in the league. Then you got A.J. Brown, who's a rookie, who's really come alive as of late, against Stephon Gilmore, the best cornerback in football. So I got to give the edge to Gilmore there, the experience. You got to give the edge to this this Patriots defense uh, being at home versus on the road. But it's kind of one of these matchups where it's strength on strength. Titans offense is better and more effective and more efficient right now than the Patriots offense going against a Patriots defense, which is the strength of the Patriots, so strength on strength. Then you got the Patriots offense, which hasn't been clicking as they, you know, like they have in the past, and they don't really have the weapons at wide receiver going against a Titans defense that's probably their weakness. So which unit is going to overperform in this game? That's kind of the big question. The Patriots are definitely set up to have success through the air, and I imagine that with time to prepare for this game, the Patriots' offense is going to look a little bit more like the Patriots' offense of old. Um, And I expect James White to be a big factor in this one. My thought is that the Patriots probably didn't really care about that Miami game, and they were really just trying to make sure that these guys are healthy and rested and prepared to play in the playoff. Even though I know they would have gotten a bye, but... Uh, I don't know. It's it, it was tough. Did you even watch that game, that Miami game? I watched the end of it only yeah, because was, it was close. Yeah, but yeah. I can't believe it. Ryan Fitzpatrick going on a two minute drill and winning like that. I know. It's I know. Pretty bizarre. I, know. I guess in that point, at that point, Ryan Fitzpatrick really did it because at that point, it's like just stop him and get the bye, right? Pretty much <laughs> you know? it. Yeah. Yeah. But they shouldn't have been down as much as they were in the first place. That's they true. They had to score a touchdown with two and a half minutes left just to take the lead. So yeah, yeah, they got themselves to blame without question. Definitely. So, all in all, Judah, I think the Patriots offense is going to look a little bit like the Patriots offensive old because they're going against the Titans defense that's 19th in pass success rate. And when you really look at the Patriots schedule, that's the third easiest opponent defensively that the Patriots have faced this season. So, I expect Brady to look a little bit more Brady-like in this one. I expect James White to be a factor. And overall, I think the offense is going to be humming a little bit more than they used to. And the question is here, like, will Ryan Tanhill continue his hot streak? The line is so suspicious to me that I have to lean Titans plus five, but I do believe the Patriots win this football game. I don't think I have a play on the total, but definitely my lean would be on the Titans here because I think they are the more talented team. They're the hotter team, and with Derrick Henry at running back, I think they can control the pace of this game, but the Patriots squeak out maybe a three-point victory at home. 
All right, going to Sunday morning, the Minnesota Vikings, New Orleans Saints in the uh, Mercedes-Benz Superdome. The line open, Saints laying eight, a total at 46. Since money on the over, total now at 49 and a half, and you probably will get the Saints minus eight or seven and a half, depending on where you shop right now. These two teams with playoff history, of course, the Minneapolis Miracle yep. from two years ago in the divisional round, Marcus Williams with the whiff. Oh, my gosh. Stephon Diggs to the house on the last play of the game. Crazy, crazy. And, of course, the Brett Favre, Drew Brees NFC title from 2009 with Favre throwing the interception. Oh, wow, yeah. That sent the Saints up to win it in overtime on the Garrett Hartley field goal. And they ultimately beat the Colts for New Orleans Saints' only Super Bowl title. Vikings-Saints 6-3 game Sunday morning on the West Coast. What do you think about this one? First glance, Jude, I, I like the Vikings plus the points here. Uh, simply because I think there's going to be a lot of points in the game. Drew Brees, it seems to me like this is a season where, you know, he too is sort of nearing the end of his ropes. And this Saints team is so talented right now. Michael Thomas is the best wide receiver in the National Football League. Alvin Kamara maybe didn't really have the season that people expected him to have, but we know how talented he is as well. And this offense... In their last three games, putting up 34, 46, and 34. So, you know, I think they're averaging over 34 points a game over their last like six or seven games, whatever it is. So, I expect points in this game. And you look at the Vikings side, this is the first time that they're healthy and have all of their offensive weapons since week six. Mm. They got Thielen in there, they got Diggs, they got Cook. So, I mean, these are really, really, really talented guys who I believe will be able to keep them in the game, but the problem is Kirk Cousins. And we know Kirk Cousins has struggled in primetime, big-game situations, especially Monday night, right? He's still yet to win a Monday night football game. The total here opened around 46. It's already jumped up to 49.5. I expect this thing, Judah, to climb up into the low 50s, if I'm being honest. Yeah. So I think if you take this number right now on the over, you're getting the best of it as of right now, because by the time we get to kickoff on, this is Sunday, right? Yeah. On Sunday, um, this thing's going to be in the low 50s, and I really do expect this game to be somewhere in the 50s. In the last five road games for the Vikings, they've averaged 32.4 points per game and allowed 25.4 points per game. And with Dalvin Cook on the field, the Vikings are scoring 27 points per game this season. I expect the Saints to score at least that in this game as well. The other thing here, Judah, is like, let's talk about Drew Brees and, and his thumb injury. Will that actually end up benefiting him in the end because of the time he's had to rest? He hasn't had to throw the football as much. So maybe he's a little bit more fresh this time of year. Uh, they're at home, and I absolutely expect the Saints to win this football game because I think the Saints are a team that uh, could find themselves in the Super Bowl and, and win this whole thing. Drew Brees is definitely chasing another ring this season, and he has the people around him to do so. Now, Michael Thomas going up against Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, safety Anthony Harris, he's tied for the league uh, leader in interceptions with six, and this Vikings defense is tied for third inter interceptions with 17 on the year. So really, I think the Vikings are going to be able to make some plays on defense I don't, I don't see Drew Brees having one of these enormous games against this Vikings defense, but I also don't expect the Saints defense to completely shut down this Minnesota Vikings offense that's now at full strength. So I have to lean 
getting seven and a half, eight, eight and a half points, whatever it is with the Vikings. And I really, really like the over in this game. Play the over. <laughs> we got to record I'll one for that. I'll see myself out. Yeah, yeah. And in the finale, looking forward to this one, of course. The Seattle Seahawks, the five seed in the NFC, going to Philadelphia to take on the four seed Eagles. The line open, Philly laying one. I definitely noticed that. Yes. Definitely noticed the line Flip opening favorite. with Philly as the favorite at home. But it's since swung through zero. It's all the way back to Seattle laying one and a half short road favorites. So you're getting a home dog in a playoff game. That'll get a lot of sharps excited. Total at 45 and a half. It's pretty much stayed there right around 45, 45 and a half, depending on where you shop. Russell Wilson in a road wild card playoff game. Take it on Carson Wentz, as you mentioned. This is his first playoff start in his career, believe it or not, due to injuries shortening his uh, his other opportunities. Russell Wilson was one of those eight quarterbacks that made their first playoff sp- start in a wild card game and won. Yeah, doing so at the Redskins against RG three Wilson's rookie year in 2012. Wow. Now he's a winner. He knows how to get it done and win playoff games on the road. Seattle went seven and one this year on the road. They went five and zero in the Eastern Time Zone. This game is already going to be a late game anyway. 1.40 Pacific time. Seahawks lane one and a half with Beast Mode and Travis Homer leading the way. <laughs> as stunning as that sounds, Zach. Uh, man, as, you, as a 49er fan for you, you guys were an inch away from being this five seed. Yes. After dominating Green Bay and putting up 48 mm-hmm. in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Still about a half yard shy from the five seed. And ultimately you're the one and got the home field throughout the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But here we go. We got the Seahawks as the wild card laying one and a half in Philly. Should be yeah. a good game. That's This is going to be, I think this is going to be the best game of the weekend, and this is the last game of the weekend. I think it's going to be the closest game of the weekend, and I think it's the most likely to go to overtime. Uh-oh. I would love a nice overtime. Hello. So maybe maybe you just look at that little overtime prop, you sprinkle a little on that, have some fun. Play the overtime. Play, play the overtime. Time. <laughs> <laughs> now, the big... Uh, Big big factor here in this game is injuries. We got to monitor the injury report. We know the Eagles are banged up at wide receiver. They have been all season. My guy, Deshaun Jackson, has just been riddled with injuries all year. It was an abdominal injury that I don't even know what was up with that, but I swear he was going to come back and play at some point. Never did. Or maybe he did come back for a game, I think, and then just it just didn't work out. But Nelson Aguilar, knee injury. He's uh, he, he hasn't participated in practice the last two days. Zach Ertz is battling a rib back injury. Greg Ward Jr., he's now a major target for that offense, and he's a converted quarterback from Houston. So yeah. uh, this offense is just, I mean, they don't really have the weapons that they started the season with and what they are expecting. And you got Miles Sanders, who has definitely been improving. I really like this guy, and I remember when they drafted him, I thought this is – Sort of like little mini-me Saquon Barkley. Definitely not as good, but he runs like him. And, of course, they were both at Penn State. The running back situation for the Seahawks, very interesting. My question to you, Judah, based on what you saw in the Seahawks 49ers game, is Lynch ready to go? How effective is he going to be? Like, how many carries do you expect? I think I saw an over-under of, like, 14 and a half for him. I would expect under that. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting but, that too. That being said, I think having played one game serves Marshawn Lynch better 
than having not played at all. Definitely. Coming into a playoff game. Mm -hmm. So I think he'll get more touches in this game than he did in the San Francisco game, Mm -hmm. given a full week of practice, preparation. There's more clarity with the game plan, Mm -hmm. more time to absorb the new playbook. Because keep in mind, he's never played in a Schottenheimer playbook. It was all Daryl Bevel. Oh, interesting. As the play caller, you know, when he was in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, I I was kind of impressed by what Travis Homer brought to the table. Mm He's a, Travis Homer is a pretty good outside runner and a yeah. good guy in the screen game. So if you've got Homer maybe running zone outside and, and Lynch as you're between the tackle short yardage guy, that's something there against an Eagles defense and a defensive line that has been suspect at times this season. Definitely. So, you know, obviously it's not ideal to be down to your four string running back and Marshawn Lynch <laughs> Yeah. going into the playoffs. But I think there's worse scenarios to be in. And I think Lynch provides some value in the right role. And I think he, he can execute that role this weekend. Yeah, and, and let's hope that if the Seahawks are on the goal line, they they give it to him. You know, I, I just I would love to see the Seahawks <laughs> well, actually. He scored a goal line <laughs> touchdown last week. I mean, yeah, yeah. I I know, I know. That was just so brutal to watch. I mean, as a 49er fan, at the end of the game there, I was literally dying, having a heart attack, and I was very happy with the end result. But yeah. it was also frustrating to watch if, you know, if you're a Seahawks fan. and well, the delay of game. The delay of game, yeah. yeah. That yeah. just, that's a killer right there. Because I guess, you know, if that hadn't happened right, I mean, you could have maybe tried to run with Marshawn. Yeah. but. Absolutely. Either way, here we are, and the Seahawks are in Philly, and last time they played each other this season, remember we talked about this, I think everyone, all the Sharps, including me, calling myself a Sharp, <laughs> um, was, we were on Philly, right? And you were on the Seahawks, and yeah. the Seahawks won by a score of 17-9 to in Philly, very low-scoring game. So looking at that score, looking at how banged up the Eagles wide receivers are, looking at how banged up the Seahawks are too, neither team is at full strength. I expect another low-scoring game in this one, Judah. And I expect, when you look at the quarterback situation here, it's Russell Wilson and it's Carson Wentz. And it's who do you trust more? And there's no question you you trust Russell Wilson. As a 49ers fan, this guy scares the heck out of me. And I do not want to see the Seahawks again. (laughs) But I fear that maybe we might just see them again. So... I have to go with Russell Wilson. I have to go with Pete Carroll. The Seahawks are just gritty. They get it done. Philly, I mean, no team in the NFC East deserves to be in the playoffs. Philly happened to be that one, and they they got a home playoff game, and I think it's stupid. (laughs) But the Seahawks go in there, and they beat them. It's going to be close. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be low scoring. I don't know what the weather is, but I'm taking the Seahawks, and I'm taking the under. Play the under. Unless it's overtime, Judah. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if it goes overtime, it is over. over. <laughs> naturally. Um, credit to Doug Peterson, though, for what he was able to salvage out of his team this year with oh, all yeah. the injuries. Oh, yeah. You know, still still a good job by him. Take a team to the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. Take a team to the divisional round and almost another NFC championship yep. with a backup quarterback and then have the injuries that he did and take him to the, a division title even though the NFC East was was trash, of course. Really? Good and, job by him. Oh, yeah, and really both Pennsylvania teams, you know, um, the Steelers. I mean, yeah. Mike Tomlin did an incredible job as well with all the injuries they had. You got Duck Hodges out there, third stringer, and he's, you know, winning some games, being effective. So Pennsylvania football, man, at least they're gritty. They're gritty. They get it done. They're gritty. They're grinders. Uh, hopefully, as a Seahawks fan, though, the Seahawks get it done. Yep. If Seattle does win and New Orleans wins, 
Then you get Seattle at San Francisco next Saturday in the divisional round. That's what I'm hoping for. Yep. Because as a, as a Seahawks fan, honestly, the ni- if it's at the Niners or at the Packers, I'd almost rather play at the Niners because of the familiarity, even yeah. though I think the Niners are better than Green Bay, and that was evidenced a few Sunday nights ago in that head-to-head matchup. But for the Seahawks, I think the familiarity, having played 120 minutes of football this year against San Francisco, actually more than that with the overtime, mm-hmm. that went all the way so 135 yeah. minutes pretty much, 130 minutes of football with those two teams. Seattle, you know, barely won one and barely lost one. I think that's the matchup for Seattle that, that you'd kind of want to have, you know, with everything on the table. San Francisco on the other side, they're saying, hey, we had great offense against the Seahawks in their building a couple nights ago, a couple weeks ago. We'll take them in our building in the divisional round. So that would set up Saints at Packers in round two. That would be pretty fun too. Oh, wow. Yeah, great matchups there for sure. Yeah. And between Rodgers and Drew Brees, both these guys you know are just itching to get one more title before they end their careers. So this is going to be interesting. I mean, the best quarterbacks in the NFC is I mean, it's definitely Rodgers and Brees and Russell Wilson. Garoppolo is not up there yet. So that's what worries me as a Niner fan going into the playoffs here. I know he was behind Brady. I know he learned from the best, but he doesn't really have that playoff experience, you right. know. So um, you got to yeah. do it in the playoffs. You right? got to do it in the playoffs. What's your early? If you had to make a Super Bowl winner right now, who who would you take? NFC or AFC? Who'd you take to win? I think right now. Oh gosh, I think right now I'd probably have to go with. If I'm gonna say, if I'm gonna predict a Super Bowl matchup for you right now, Judah. I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens versus the New Orleans Saints. Wow. And I know, even as a Niner fan, but I think Baltimore Ravens, New Orleans Saints, that's the Super Bowl. I hate to say it, though, because I'm not going to be rooting for that. (laughs) Uh, But I say the Baltimore Ravens win the Super Bowl. Wow. (laughs) Really? Yeah. All right, there you go. I'll take Kansas City. Okay, okay. I'll and, take the Chiefs. Just and I think Chiefs. Variety. And I think Chiefs Ravens AFC Championship would be phenomenal. That'd be in Baltimore. That'd be a lot of fun. I'll go with Kansas City out of the AFC, and uh, uh, the NFC is definitely tough. I know, it's definitely so tough. tough. I'll take I'll take the 49ers just for oh wow okay variety okay. sake. 49ers Chiefs, my Super Bowl matchup, the All Cho Montana Super Bowl. Hey, there you go. <laughs> He's actually Eagle. I'm true to newbie. That wraps up Wild Card Weekend here on Bet the Game Sports Radio 750 Game. Zach, enjoy the games, man. You as well. Yeah. Happy New Year to everyone.